Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hey there, and welcome to Mainstream by Pixel Sift. My name is Adam Christou, and joining me this week is Sarah Island. Here at Pixel Sift, we've made our name delivering some of the best indie games coverage for games made in Australia and around the world. This is Mainstream, episode 12, and on Mainstream, we discuss what high profile blockbuster games, maybe you call them AAA, whatever you want to use, that we've been playing recently, both in our back catalogues or things that are just brand new, as well as what we've been reading around in gaming press and the news at the moment. Sarah, um, I thought you might want to tell us really quickly what you've been playing. Boy, don't you want to know. I have been playing Fallout 76 since the new big Steam update that added NPCs to the game. Very exciting stuff. Awesome. I'm, I'm super intrigued about that. Looking forward to diving in with it uh, a little bit further with you. And um, I have been chipping away at very, very slowly... Uh, <laughs> Persona 5 Royal, which is um, a super stylish Japanese RPG, um, but also one that is very time-consuming and does not respect your time at all. Oh dear. Let's get into it then. Awesome. Australia's best video game podcast. Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. All right, so Sarah, tell me a little bit about what's happening in the world of Fallout 76. I know it had a rocky launch. There's been a lot of problems with the game since it first came out, but there seems to be a lot of buzz around this particularly massive um, expansion that's come out, which I believe is called Wastelanders. Yes. So, I mean, it's been a pretty big shift. So if in case you don't know, Fallout 76 is basically multiplayer Fallout 4. So the game, when it initially dropped, it had no NPCs except for robots. So there were no human NPCs in the game at all. So you got your quests from radio broadcasts, robot NPCs throughout the world, and just various various other like, you know, bits and bobs that you picked up as you went. The whole point was that um, any human that you ran into, the whole idea was it was supposed to be a human player. And there would be very a limited number of people per map. So it would be like a chance encounter. And, you know, what would happen? Would you team up? Would you try and fight each other? What would happen? You know, we just don't know. And it was a bit of a flop um, for a number of different reasons. It had a lot of technical issues. And, uh, boy, it just just wasn't great. It just just wasn't great. Yeah, I only I- picked it up because it was I got it really cheap and I wanted to play with my partner because he was like, yeah, I want to play multiplayer Fallout. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, and I heard that the story ended up being told mostly through data logs and computer mm. entries. So it was a lot of reading yeah. and a lot of like moving from point A to point B to like read a bit of story. And that the removal of NPCs really took away a lot of what people expect from like the Fallout franchise, which is role Absolutely. playing. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, almost immediately. Like, I've only really played a little bit of Fallout New Vegas, so I'm not really a huge Fallout person. I picked this up because the thought of being able to do it cooperatively with friends was was really um, much more uh, engaging for me. Because most of my gaming time nowadays is spent playing with people. I pretty much never play things by myself anymore. It's always alongside someone or cooperatively with someone. So I was keen on this, but the NPCs edition, I think, is has really helped because despite the fact that it was only supposed to be full of human players it felt really bland like you'd barely run into anyone it just it felt kind of empty the like I didn't care for the story at all because you know it was told through audio logs and and written kind of notes and stuff and the only I only really kind of remember a few different areas that's because it had very charismatic AI characters that would talk to you uh, as you progressed and, and I think that's what, what the game was really lacking was that charisma in more human NPCs. And that's immediately come back. The second this update dropped, I booted it up immediately. It's been much more engaging to play through. And it's um, brought a lot of new people on board, which has been really good. Yeah, and I, I guess a game like this really does survive and thrive based on how many people are playing it at any point in time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of curious as well. Like, Do you feel like you're having a better experience within this world now? Does it feel like a game that you want to stick with or is it something that you can kind of see yourself going, I'm going to be done with this soon? Well, I'm not really sure because I haven't really played a huge amount of it overall. I think, you know, it was kind of fun when I first booted up. I, you know, went back to it to check out the update. I want to give it more some more time because there's still a lot that I that's, that's there to explore. There's more things to do. There's a lot that I never really did when I when I first played. And, you know, like I think the fact that there's, there's more – things to do because there's more NPCs, there's more engagement. It really makes you want to kind of sit down and actually devote some time to giving it a bit of a better run. I I think maybe part of the problem is I'm just not a super big Fallout person overall, so it's maybe made it a bit harder for me to get into. But I definitely think that overall it's been a much more enjoyable experience going back to it compared to when I first played. Like I'm a lot more engaged personally. It feels like there's more to do overall, even just like, you know, running into um, – you know, more brand new players. Like I booted up and I was doing some of the um, the the very beginning quests for the NPCs. Like the whole idea is when you first boot up the game, if you're new to the game, you'll immediately meet some NPCs. They'll take you through this little, um, you know, this minor quest, teach you about the crafting, teach you about building settlements, which is really, really well put together, really engaging. And you'll, you'll end up at this little bar that's been set up by some NPCs. And, and they're really fun characters. They're really engaging to talk to. And you'll go through this wacky little quest where you, you pretend to be this spelunker looking for treasure in Appalachia. And it, it's very funny and really engaging. But I kept running into these new players that were all like level two, level three. And I'm there as like, I forgot what level I am, but I'm in power armor and I look a bit menacing. Um, I look like a very shady character. I'm wearing a suit, wearing a wearing a hat. I kind of look like I'm some government government agent was the way I set up my character. And, and I'm running around and like this person approached me and they started emoting at me. Like they started waving and, and like doing like a love heart emote at me. And I was like, oh, this person's friendly. And then they ran to a group of enemies and then I just followed them and then they got me to help them beat up all these enemies because they were too low level for it. And here I am in power armor, looking very menacing <laughs> and very powerful. And then I ended up just doing this this low level quest with them and, you know, they were kind of like tagging along and they kind of like recruited me as muscle, which I thought was hilarious. But like it's kind of the influx of new people and the NPCs have kind of let these, these situations evolve because now instead of just, oh, go fight this area boss, that's like the most engaging thing to do. It's like, oh, go do this quest line. It's really fun and really interesting. Go talk to this NPC. So yeah. I think overall the updates really improve the quality of the game. And I think it's definitely worth checking out 
now, especially because I think given some more time, I think it's going to become a real gem, but you know, that remains to be seen. Yeah, that's really fascinating to me because I think what you described there is kind of that tension that I think a lot of online games have between mm. emergent gameplay, emergent gameplay between like people you run into in the world, and then like crafted story elements of where you're interacting Definitely. with NPCs. And sometimes it can be like a big disconnect from the story when a whole bunch of people just flock into his own and start talking mm. to you and interrupting. But in this circumstance, it actually sounds like. Um, it worked really well for you and sounded like a lot of fun in particular. Definitely. I think the way that Fallout 76 has set it up has made it quite engaging because for the most part, you interact with people through um, emoticons like in-game or like uh, emotional kind of displays. Like, you know, your character will actually do a little animation and a little speech bubble with um, uh, the the little Pip-Boy character will appear above above their head doing like a little animation. And it's a great, really fun way to kind of, you know, connect with people. So you can like wave at them. You can, you know, like you can kind of almost say hi. You can, you know, give, like blow them a little love heart and stuff like that is really fun because it like it, it gets you engaging in a very non-verbal way that I, I find really entertaining in games because it gives rise to these really interesting ways of trying to like converse with people or just trying to even say, hey, can I, can I get a hand with this? Which is what that player did with me. Like they kept, you know, giving me nice um, or just kind of, you know, emoting in very um, friendly ways in front of me. And then I ended up following them because I was just hanging out. And then they, you know, they kind of got me to help them out. So I think it's it's definitely they've definitely set it up well and it and there still isn't a huge amount of players per session so it does feel like you're in a somewhat of a wasteland but i think they've handled it quite nice as far as like the amount of people and the npcs i don't really think they kill that vibe which is obviously what they didn't want with the original uh idea of the game but i think the npcs it's it's a comfortable mix at the moment a comfortable mix of engaging npcs and um, player controlled characters all just kind of running around and doing quests together so yeah i think it's a big big improvement yeah nice and who do you think it's for who who is fallout 76 for now really if you liked fallout 4 but you wished you could play it with a mate i think 76 is is definitely that game for you because um, that's the big difference and and from what i it's been described asking people that have played more fallout that are more engaged by fallout that i know they've all had the opinion look you know i just i liked fallout or i like skyrim but i just really wanted to play it with a friend by my side i wanted to do the same things that i did in skyrim or fallout 4 but i wanted a friend to do it with me and i think 76 has become a lot closer to that um, yeah. or, or to what people want in an experience like that. So if if you have a friend and you both like Fallout, I definitely recommend checking it out. Awesome. Well, that's uh, Fallout 76. The Wastelander edition is out now and it's available on Steam. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. So, Adam, you have been playing Persona 5 Royal. So what what exactly is Persona 5 Royal? That is a very good question. Um, <laughs> so Persona 5 Royal is the 2020 update of a re-release of 2017's Persona 5, which was the fifth game in the Persona series um, that is kind of loosely a series of games that seem to be about teenagers that kind of jump into different dimensions and have powers and kind of explore the minds of other people. It's usually set in contemporary Japan, but has mythological elements to it. It is a Japanese RPG. Um, Persona 5 Royal brings in new characters, new systems and mechanics, upgrades and entirely new areas to the game as well as a, as well as a massive story expansion to the original game too. Um, and this is my first proper time with a Persona game as well. So I'm finding it a bit of 
an interesting experience. And gameplay wise, it's kind of like a balance between um, what you would expect from a Japanese RPG. So going into dungeons, doing lots of random battles and encounters, lots of grinding. Um, combat is turn-based and, and really satisfying and uses a weakness and kind of elemental system, which is really cool. And then the other half of Persona, which is like the really big part of it, is um, a social life system. So um, mm. there's a calendar. Um, you play day by day. Um, you go to school. And then after school, you can choose to spend your time either trying to rank up some of your social skills or hanging out with friends and confidants um, so you can improve your social ranks with them. And as you increase your ranks with different friends and, and people around the world, um, they give you abilities and special boosts that then directly impact your strengths in combat as well. So um, there's this kind of push and pull between having enough time to complete dungeons and go grinding with all of the social activities that you need to do in your life as well and fitting them in around everything as well. So it's kind of a very interesting game and it, it can be really enjoyable, but also it feels like an odd slog at times. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by um, um, how much I've put into it. I've put about 45 hours so far and I feel like I am still getting tutorial unlocks at this point in time. Like I was warned that this was a long game and I'd be in for at least 100 to 150 hours, but mm. I haven't played a game like this in such a long time that is still teaching me new mechanics this far into the game and seems to um, almost drip feed story at a glacial pace and and kind of re-repeat things over and over and over again. I'm like, I'm, I'm drawn in because I feel like I'm watching a television show whenever I play it. But at the same time, I do feel like there is a version of this game that could have been a lot more tighter, a lot more um, respectful of players' time that I really <laughs> wish existed as well. Yeah, definitely. I've watched a little bit of some of the Persona games on on live streams or YouTube Let's Plays before because I, I always thought they like looked very interesting and I was quite surprised by how they have blended this um, very traditional like social school life teenage simulator element where you're trying to juggle these interpersonal relationships, you're trying to build up those, you have to choose who am I going to hang out with after school today and how that deeply can affect um, the later gameplay when, you know, you go into dungeons and, and you know, you're having conversations with characters, you're building relationships, that's unlocking new um, dialogue pathways. I thought that was incredible how they've blended that with the traditional JRPG structure of you just doing dungeons and fighting monsters. How, have you been enjoying, like, the combination of those two elements together? Absolutely. I mean, like, I've, I've definitely found myself wanting... Because so I'll explain... I'm going to go back a few steps. So the way that mm. dungeons work in this game is you'll kind of progress through the story, doing your daily life stuff, hanging out with friends, but then a big um, event will kind of come up that requires your characters to deal with a problem in one of these dungeons. And then you can choose to use one of your afternoons to kind of explore the dungeon. And if you do that, you're using your social time for that day. And then your goal within the dungeon is to try and get as far and to progress as far into the dungeon as you can uh, before you run out of stamina points, uh, which is kind of like your, your MP in this game. So mm -hmm. having stamina healing items is really important to kind of let you do long dungeon runs. I mean, what I've found I'm doing is trying to get through as much of a dungeon as I can in one afternoon possible and then finish that dungeon as soon as possible in the calendar month so that i can then spend the remainder of that time in the month hanging out with friends and building up all my skills and going to like the optional dungeon where you grind a lot called mementos um mm. and sounds like real life it's 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 fun <laughs> but it is a, yeah i 
if only yeah. <laughs> real life gave me an app on my phone that would let me teleport into the inner workings of people's minds. Um, God, but that would be that'd be something else, wouldn't it? It's is wild. Um, yeah, I think the thing that I'm probably doing this game wrong. Maybe like I think rushing to finish the a dungeon as fast as possible feels like the optimal way to do it. And I always want to like min max in these games. I can't resist mm, it. Mm. But at the same time, that then means that you spend such a so- prolonged period of time in the social stuff that after 20, 30 days of just doing the social stuff while you're waiting for the next uh, kind of palace or dungeon to appear, you do feel like um, it feels like a bit of a drag. And maybe mm. now that a lot more confidence and a lot more like friends and and social options are starting to really open up for me, um, that social life element will become a lot more exciting and fun and dynamic to play because now there's a lot more choices. I've got a lot more friends to kind of pick and choose from who I'm going to hang out with and how I'm going to try and prioritize and balance my time with. And I think now that I'm getting those sorts of granular decisions, um, that's making it really satisfying and fun to kind of get strategic with how I'm going to use my time in a way that wasn't happening in the first 30 hours of this game, which felt very railroaded and very tutorially as well. Mm. Yeah. Have there been any major moments so far in your playtime that have really stuck out to you? Oh, look, I, I just feel overall the style of this whole game is is stunning. So it, it mm. uses this hyper anime cartoon um, sort of aesthetic. Um, it has a very jazzy soundtrack, which is super upbeat and very poppy and, and fun. Um, combat in this game is hyper stylish. And when you're doing abilities like Baton Pass, which is like when you um, knock out an enemy, you can like flip your your character's turn to another person on your team and they'll high five each other and then that person powers up. Um, there's just so much kind of style into all elements at all times in this game. It feels like kaleidoscopic in its vision. Mm. It's psychedelic and it's super fun. So for me, the moments that stand out are when like the the just the maximal style of this game is turned up to 11 all these combat abilities are popping off in like a massive battle suddenly someone's showtime ability turns on which is strange duo attacks that you can unlock at random points in combat between two characters and they'll just go into a full-on final fantasy style summon sequence that's hyper stylized where they do a super attack together all that sort of stuff is super wild and i just have my jaw dropped the entire time Mm. playing the game because it's it's ridiculously beautiful and it's super fun. So for me, that's what's standing out the most, this style and the kind of effortless polish that's gone into this game to make it feel and look so cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah I feel definitely. like that's the big thing for me. Um, some other moments have stood out, but for the wrong reasons, um, which is kind of a oh, bit no. unfortunate. <laughs> um, there's definitely some really kind of transphobic and homophobic moments in this game that kind of are a bummer to kind of go through. I'm not going to go into mm. them in too detail, but I came across one sequence and was like, really? Um, I, From what I understand, that sequence was rewritten for Persona 5 Royal to be less homophobic, yet it was still kind of gross to experience. Um, so I can't imagine what the original version of that actually was, but I'm glad I didn't see it. Um, it's good that they've at least done something to change it, but yeah. still, it's still a bit of a shame, especially because like I can see a lot of very young people also getting in and enjoying these games. They they have a very, I think they have a very broad appeal to them, and yeah. especially with the way that they 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 handle a lot of it is these teenage relationships and navigating social spheres. And I think like watching a very a little bit of it myself, I was quite like stunned at how like fascinating and fun and 
um, dramatic and really like heart wrenching, but at the same time really wholesome. Like a lot of these interpersonal relationships are written in the Persona games, from what I've seen, and I think they're absolutely fantastic. That, that a lot of the game is built around that, and I think that can definitely appeal to a lot of young people. And it's just a shame that potentially, you know, some some more negative experiences might come out of that. Yeah, there's which a, is a shame. I mean, there's a couple of sus moments. I mean, like mm. this is a game that is like painfully heteronormative as well. Like there are no mm. queer relationships in this game. It goes really hard yeah. to kind of create a world where no queer people exist, except for the few stereotypes that you bump into, which are kind of like not great to experience. Yeah. Um, so you know, when you put yeah. that to the side, there's also just like a couple of male characters that I would say are deeply creepy. Um, like mm. I'm just gonna call out Sajiro, who is the older man whose house um, slash cafe you stay at, as being a bit of a creepy dude. Um, he makes a huge deal about having to save your number to his phone because he doesn't like having men's numbers in his phone. And I'm like, what up, dude? You got to sort that out. Um, so yeah, there's just a few like, like gender moments <laughs> like that. A phone. It's emergency like, contact details. It's, it's not going to turn you gay if you have a dude's yeah. number in your phone, Sajiro. You'll be fine. Um, so yeah. there's a few things like that where I'm just like, ugh. Um, but you know, mm. it's there's so much good in here that I'm, I'm I feel like those kind of rough moments um, are frustrating to deal with. But I'm also fascinated by the moments where they've actually written um, multiple female characters with real depth and the way that those characters bond with each other and explore Definitely. their personal relationships and, and healing through trauma, I think is really interesting. Mm, um, mm. So yeah, it's an interesting game in terms of who I think it's for. I'm not really sure. Are you, are you in the mood for a TV series? Do you like anime? I, I don't actually like anime, but I'm really digging this, even though it's hyper anime. Um, but I almost feel like you could treat this like it's a television show that you are jumping into and a few hours is an episode. It kind of has that feel to it. So if you kind of like life sims, if you like visual novels, I think this is a great game for you. If you like really good solid turn-based combat, I think this is a really fun game for you as well. It just doesn't respect your time. And I have a feeling it's going to take me 150 hours till I finish it. So keep that in mind if it's something that you want to dig into because you're going to be playing it for a really long time. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. So, Sarah, tell me a little bit about what you've been reading in the gaming press this week. What's grabbed your attention? Fortnite, really, um, has kind of kind of caught my eyes because obviously, you know, there was there was a huge for, in-game Fortnite concert lately where. Um, and they've been doing this a few times over the last few years where the Fortnite developers have set up a virtual concert where players, instead of fighting in an arena, they can they enjoy a virtual space. And um, a, I, I wouldn't say it's a live concert, but it's almost like a live concert, but you're enjoying it through Fortnite where they have these crazy psychedelic visuals. You're, you're in the game and you're you know, almost kind of having an experience um, and you know you're listening to music um, done by by a you know usually famous artist, and it's this huge social gathering, but in a digital space. And I thought that was really fascinating. And it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and better every time they've released a new one. And every time I see it, I'm I'm just like, what will they do next? You know, how will they top this one? And somehow they keep making it even better. I haven't experienced one personally myself um, because I don't really play Fortnite. I played it a while ago on Pixel Sift, but not anymore. But like I, I know for sure if I heard a band that I really liked was doing one, I'd absolutely download it and jump in because they're incredible visual experiences. And 
Fortnite have recently uh, announced a new mode that is purely a social space. So they're cutting the combat and they're creating a purely social experience, almost like a virtual playground where players can, can I guess, you know, enjoy mini game type things together. They can race around obstacle courses by land or sea. They can perfect your skydiving, go fishing with friends and more is a quote from uh, an article by Gamma Sutra. So I think that's really fascinating, especially in this current day and age that we're seeing, you know, a game that started off as, you know, uh, PVE kind of uh, focus things, save the world, turned into a huge battle royale explosion, defined, um, didn't define the genre, but, you know, became a defining um, piece of the current uh, generation of kids getting into games, getting into competitive games in, in a way. And it being this huge thing that almost everyone has played at least once. And now it's becoming a social sphere. And I think that's really fascinating, that that journey and um, that progression and potentially what it might mean for kids because I grew up with Club Penguin, you know, people grew up with Neopets, but now it's Fortnite, I guess. Yeah, instead. gone are the days of Habbo Hotel. Um, yeah. I mean, it's probably a good thing. Totally. <laughs> given Habbo Hotel. But yeah, it's like it'll be interesting to see, you know, I guess uh, if, if they're really dedicated to this, are they going to, you know, keep it uh, a positive space because games kind of have a lot of toxicity. The games that I grew up playing, even Club Penguin, Habbo Hotel, a lot of, you know, not very appropriate stuff happened on those despite the number of kids playing them. But obviously, you know, um, Epic Games are very invested in Fortnite. They're very aware of the the large sphere of especially young people playing their game. And I think it'd be really wonderful to see this become a virtual playground of sorts. Yeah. You know, even, even just when – oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, you continue. I was just going to say, even when, you know, Fortnite added vehicles to the game where you could fly around in planes and stuff, I found that really engaging and really fun. And just, but being able to do that without the combat element, I think is really exciting. Because that's the one thing that kills games like GTA for me. Because I jump in, I'm like, cool, I want to learn how to fly a plane today. And then someone shoots me down, you know, for no reason, just aside from the fact that, you know, you can fire people in GTA. And that's all well and good. But I think having that opportunity to just enjoy that as a pure fun experience without any chance of combat happening, I think could be really exciting for players, especially people that enjoyed the virtual concerts that Fortnite have been putting on. Yeah, I'm, I'm super fascinated about this. I mean, mm. the, the, the stats of the Travis Scott concert, which was the one around the kind of mid-April, yes. was about 12.3 million people watching. And so there's also been another concert in the last day or so, Diplo and Major Lazer performed in the new social space. And I think this is really interesting to me because on multiple levels, um, the social space is fascinating because one, there's been a lot of conversations about the idea of um, a multiverse on the internet for a very long time. I think Second mm. Life wanted to be the internet's multiverse for the longest period of time. And the idea of a multiverse is like a place where everyone can go in a virtual space on the internet and all brands and all things and all cultural experiences can be experienced in some form there. I think Fortnite have been playing around with dipping their toes into this area for the last year or so, ever since Definitely. the Marshmallow EDM show. But then mm. there was the Star Wars tie-in, there was the Thanos thing. I feel like there's this desire to kind of mash every single bit of cultural ephemera into Fortnite. But what I think is really fascinating about the social space is the opportunity for people that um, to interact within the world of Fortnite that have no interest in playing this game. So I'm thinking Absolutely. the parents of kids that are obsessed with this now have an opportunity to socialize with their children inside the thing that is consuming their time. I think a lot about how parents got on board and started playing with kids in things like Minecraft and I think about schools as well. I know this is really silly, but one of my friends is a drama teacher and at the moment his high school are doing their school play in Minecraft because 
there ain't no school play during yeah, lockdown and absolutely, quarantine. Absolutely. And depending on I've where seen this, a lot of people doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, wherever this ends up going, the sort of functionality that ends up being built in this space, I'm really interested to see if we will see other sorts of things like that coming through the Fortnite social space. I'm super fascinated with where it goes. Definitely. I think it could be a very positive experience, even just because, you know, I, I, I like games where I can just jump in and just muck around and just do, you know, whatever I feel like with friends. And and Fortnite had, you know, like a very fun mechanics. It was a fun game to play, but at a certain point I was tired of the combat. I didn't enjoy, you know, the way they'd handled their battle royale. But like a lot of the other things that they've experimented with in the game, you know, other other mechanics and stuff that can still be repurposed into a social space. And I think even for someone that just wants to muck around and potentially even just, you know, effectively practice things, but in a non-combat environment, even just building and just, you know, you know, treating it like a Minecraft-style sandbox could be incredible. If they allow building in this kind of space, it would be amazing to see what kind of crazy structures that people put together within the Fortnite engine and just, you know, going ham and even building things together and just, just you know, enjoying the opportunity just to, to muck around and play. And I think the Fortnite has such a wide appeal already. Even for people like me, I'd, I'd be curious to try it out despite not really enjoying Fortnite's core gameplay. But I'd be curious to check out this as a social space, as a, as a gathering point for different people and to see what it has for store to see how people are using it because i think with these experiences it's very much it becomes what the players make of it you know so it starts off as you know the devs being like okay here's a thing we've made a thing um here's how you can use it but then ultimately that evolves into what the players make of it like with vr chat and second life it's become a huge thing of people creating custom models importing them and being able to present themselves in those digital spaces the way they want to present entirely um with through their control and I wonder how much we'll see of that in Fortnite, um, or this, you know, this this uh, non-combat social mode of Fortnite. How much we'll see the people turn it into something magical that the devs may not have intended. So I'm very curious to see how this pans out over the next year. Yeah, me too. And it kind of brings us to our our second article as well, which is is kind of short and sweet. It's called "Gaming Friends Share How Playing Together Helps Them Survive Quarantine." It's by Colin Campbell at Polygon. And I think the reason I picked this was partly because I wanted to bounce off that that conversation on Fortnite. But I, I really like this article because it's some really short kind of Vox Poppy style interviews with different people around the world talking about how they've kind of caught up with their social communities in various different online games, whether that's like coming together in Destiny 2, which one person... Uh, Manuel, uh, a digital artist from Mexico, described as having a spontaneity that you don't get with regular catch-up calls, allowing like a casualness and different voices to be heard that, because, you know, you get trapped on the same Zoom calls and the same family calls throughout this period. It's nice to be able to just hear strangers and people that you don't normally hear and in a context that you wouldn't normally hear them in. So I thought that was really fascinating. I think there's a lot here about like the joy of um, games like Jackbox Party Mode and just, you know, stuff like Animal, Animal Crossing as well, which has had a huge explosion of over 12 million players kind of all digging in and sharing in across their islands in the last few months but yeah i really like the short personal stories of how people are coming together in their various games in this piece absolutely i think that's been a huge thing i know for myself i've been turning to games a lot as a social element i've been playing a lot of elder scrolls online again because um you know one of my my partner's old friends we used to play with him a lot he's um, recently kind of gotten back into the game as well so we've all jumped in together and we've all been enjoying it and more of his friends have jumped on as well so we've got this like group of you know five plus people that we've just all been jumping on and just you know doing things together and enjoying the space and given that you know i we can't reasonably go and visit like our friends 
or, you know, um, and, and there's this kind of this general sense of disconnection, just jumping into a voice call, chilling out and being like, hey, what are you, what are you all up to today? What quests are you doing? And just, you know, enjoying, enjoying the space and that kind of socialization has been like such uh, an important thing for me, especially during this time. I've been turning to games a lot. I've been turning to Animal Crossing, I've been turning to ESO, I've been turning to a bunch of other cooperative games just to kind of enjoy playing with different people. And I think it's, it's really wonderful seeing what games have been able to do for people in this time. And I think it, it's incredible that we live, you know, all things considered with the COVID-19 situation, meaning a lot of people can't socialize, they can't leave their houses, maybe they're, they're temporarily out of work. But having this, you know, as something that can keep you going and having this as a very positive thing, allowing for connection, I think has been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I agree completely. I've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen with uh, the IT department at my work. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's been what we've been up to. Um, but yeah, I agree completely. You're listening to Mainstream by Pixelsift. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. So you've been listening to Mainstream by Pixelsift. It's what video games the Pixelsift team have been playing and what they've been reading online. My name is Adam and thanks for being part of episode 12, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, big thank you to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. Sarah, where can listeners find you on Twitter? So I'm on Twitter as at PrettyFlyShyGuy. And where can people find you on Twitter, Adam? Well, I'm on at Adam Christou. Very uncreative and uninspiring, but that's where I live. <laughs> that's all right. Sweet. And you can give Pixel Sift a follow on social media as well. We're at Pixel Sift on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just give it a search. And if you like this, you can check out our Australian podcast award-winning indie game show. Um, just search for Pixel Sift in your podcast player or look for our logo. We've got heaps more for you to check out as well. So definitely head to our website to see videos, articles, and much more on pixelsift.com.au and give us a star rating or a review. That is pixelsift.com.au. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a mate who would like the show? Get them to subscribe to the show on their podcast player of choice. We're on all of them. That's it for us. Uh, that's it for Mainstream as well. Until next time, have fun. Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Cancelled.